Good morning, family. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? Amen. Am I on here? There we go. Good to see you all here today. Nicole and Jonathan are back from their honeymoon. Let's go. Good to see you guys. Hope you had a good time. Um, I'm, I, I know I was in a series, but I'm going to pause it today because I got a word for you. Psalm chapter 37, verse 3. Simple word today. Not going to keep you long. <laughs> you know how they say, I'm not going to be long. <laughs> Psalm chapter 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Keep this on the screen for a minute. I want you to look at that again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. There's a progression here that ends with feeding on his faithfulness, but begins with trusting in the Lord. You got to trust in the Lord. And if you trust in the Lord, you're going to do good which means you're going to do the right thing. If you're not doing good, it's because you're not trusting in the Lord. And if you're not trusting in the Lord, don't expect to be feeding on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then it says dwell in the land. What land? The one you're already in. Where you live right now. The spot you're in right now, the situation you're in right now, the place in life that you occupy right now, dwell there and feed on his faithfulness. Now, I know a lot of us, when it comes to feeding on the faithfulness of God, it's a future expectation. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, verse 14, I would have lost heart unless I had believed, verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Right? Wait, I say, on the Lord. Oh, that's how my daughter and I, we end that verse like that. And so there's this future expectation that if I wait on the Lord and I'm of good courage, he's going to strengthen my heart. I'm going to see, one day I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that there is a side to your heart and a side to that experience where that's true. You are waiting on something. But this is a completely different side and a different perspective. While you are waiting on the the future blessings of God, you need to feed on the present faithfulness of God. Because what tends to happen in our quest for future blessing is we lose sight of present faithfulness. And some of us are feeding on the wrong thing. We're feeding on everything but the faithfulness of God. We're dwelling in the land, but when we look around, the land looks barren and cold, and we don't see the faithfulness of God, and so we don't know how to feed on it. Instead, what we see is negativity, rejection, debt, financial hardship, relational hardship, and we see these things and we feed on these things. The Lord's calling us to a different perspective. The Lord slapped me upside the face with this a few days ago. And I'm going to read to you just a part of my interactive gratitude from July 19th. This is 6.51 a.m. 
It was during our morning prayer session, which I missed yesterday because I got a call from my mom at 5 a.m. that my dad had fallen. He's fine. He just hurt his knee real bad and needed to go to the hospital and she couldn't get, you know, your parents get to a certain age, they need a little help. And so my parents needed my help. So went over there. He didn't want to tell nobody. He was one, he had hit it all day long, tried to pretend he was I. Right. <laughs> but uh, this is July 19th. So here's what I said. Lord, I thank you for the quality time you gave us with the songs over the weekend. So last weekend, Sam's song and his family came. We had a wonderful time hanging out with them. You brought our friends all the way from Hong Kong to refresh our hearts. Thank you, Lord. And then in the curiosity phase, here's what I said. I wonder why you've sent so many groups of friends to us over the past month. What happened three weeks before the songs is the Lopnows came. John and Songshin, they're our good fuller friends from 20 plus year friendship. Their whole family came up and spent almost a week with us. Then we went to Hawaii, which is awesome. Then when we came back from Hawaii, our, our friends, the Kangs came. They brought their whole family. They spent half the week with us. And then the songs come. So we're visited, and then all of this is like ad hoc, last minute stuff. None of this stuff was planned long ago. It was just, it happened that the Lord just keeps sending our friends to us. And I said, I wonder why you keep sending our friends to us. Could it be you saw that our hearts needed a kind of love that only our friends could bring? Thank you, Lord. Now listen to what the Lord says to me in response. Benjamin, my son, I know what you have need of before you ask and before you call. I answer you. I sent your friends because I saw the longing of your soul for the love of your friends. But son, I also see the fear in your heart that perhaps I sent your friends to prepare you for a storm that's about to come. <laughs> Which was crazy because I, I wasn't even aware of that until the Lord spoke it to me. Wow. That I was actually feeling in the back of my heart, it was like this, 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 this program that was running in the background that I wasn't even aware of until the Lord pointed it out. And I realized that's true. I kept thinking, man, what a wonderful time we had with the Lopnows. I wonder what's about to happen now. Man, what a wonderful time we had in Hawaii. Hmm, I wonder what God's preparing us for. Oh, wow, the Kings are here. This is awesome, man. It's probably about to be real bad. Wow, wonderful time with the songs. Man, everything's about to fall apart. And there was this growing anticipation in me that these blessings we're a preparation for some devastation that's to come right around the corner. I know what's going to happen. The whole church is going to turn against us and throw us out. Or, you know, I mean, I could, I don't even want to voice the stuff that comes in the back of my mind, in the back of my heart. And listen to what the Lord said to me. But this is not the case. Now he's going to do the update. He's going to confront the lie and establish the truth. Benjamin, you once believed that every blessing was to prepare you for hardship. But now you believe that every hardship prepares you for blessing. And I realized that my life was oriented around the hardship. I saw blessing as a temporary reprieve from what my real life is about, hardship. Blessing is a temporary break that God gives you. And then he says, now get back to the grind and struggle and suffer. Because that's really your destiny. That's really what your life is about. That's really what gives meaning to your life is the struggle and the pain and the hardship. And God says, no, 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 no. 
I want to break this lie off of you today where you're looking for hardship to come out of every blessing. I want to reverse the curse so that now you're looking for blessing to come out of every hardship. I did it later. Can you imagine if we lived our lives that way? Where our default mechanism was the expectation of blessing. And when blessing comes, we're able to receive it fully without any lingering doubt, unbelief, guilt, any lingering, but what's this going to cost me though? None of that. Just, ah, I've arrived. This is what God had been preparing for me. All this time, God had been preparing this blessing for me and all of these hard. See, because we never look back at hardship and say, oh, God's blessing me out of this hardship. But we always look back <laughs> in the midst of hardship and say, oh, here's what God is paying me back for. Right? I know why this is my fault. <laughs> ah, this is punishment. I know what God is doing. This is the discipline of the Lord for this. We're constantly looking back at the cause of our hardship but we're not looking back at hardship as the cause of our blessing. And we forgot that Paul says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more an exceeding weight of glory, an eternal weight of glory. Right? So that means that every time we walk through an affliction, we should be looking forward to the glory that's coming out of it. There should be a growing anticipation and a growing awareness that if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles... Come on, somebody. Amen. Feed on his faithfulness. Now, the scripture says that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Feed on his faithfulness. Imagine that we are the sheep of God's pasture. And every morning he comes in to the pasture and there's these feeding troughs. And every morning he fills the feeding trough with his faithfulness and says, now go eat. Go eat. As Jeremiah said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they're new every morning. Every morning, God's got fresh mercies, new mercies, steadfast love. He just fills the feeding trough with it and says, go eat. Which means that no matter where you are, no matter what your situation is, there is faithfulness of God for you to feed on right now. Right now. I want you to understand that when Jeremiah said this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies come to an end, never come to an end, but they're new every morning. He was walking through the streets of Jerusalem when it had been destroyed in 70 AD. No, no, not 70 AD, 586 BC, sorry. This is the destruction of Jerusalem that he had been prophesying. I want you to understand the situation. Jeremiah had been crying out to the people of Israel to repent of their sins so that God would turn away his devastation, so that God would turn away his wrath, and they rejected him. And he went through all kinds of persecution simply for calling the people of God to repent, and they would not repent. And the devastation came, and Babylon came in and destroyed Jerusalem and raised the temple to the ground. And there was destruction. I mean, they were taking pregnant mothers and ripping them over. They were taking infants and slamming them on stones in front of their parents. It was, it was horrible. 
It was the worst devastation. And Jeremiah could have done one of two things. One, he could have walked around Jerusalem going, I told you. Didn't I tell you? Y'all should have listened to me. But he didn't do that. Or he could have walked around Jerusalem going, it's all over. Everything is lost. But instead, in the midst of all of his sorrow, and he is weeping, but something rises up on the inside of him and he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never, even in the midst of the worst devastation, could have been avoided. All you had to do was listen to God, but he says, I'm going to stop. The only way for me to make it through this devastation is to stop and feed on his faithfulness in the midst of it. That even in the midst of this mess, his faithfulness, a feeding trough is full of his faithfulness right in front of me right now. Not later, right now. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. But they're new every morning. The prophet Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. What do you mean we've gone astray? Meaning, instead of feeding from the feeding trough of his faithfulness, we feed on all kinds of stuff. We feed on negativity and we tend to orient our lives around that which is negative. Every morning we wake up and we start feeding on what's wrong with our marriage. Just wake up and just start meditating on it. Just count the problems in my marriage. And here's what's wrong with my wife. And just list it. Here's what's wrong with my husband. Just count them off in my mind. And then in that prayer with, and he'll never change. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Wake up in the morning and just list off every problem with my finances, everything wrong with my job, everything that I'm missing, everything that I thought I would get, but didn't get. And I tend to feed on that. Because the enemy has a feeding trough full of the wrong stuff. Every day you wake up in the morning and there's two feeding troughs and you get to choose. Isn't that what God said to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy? This day I set before you life and death. And then he had to tell us which one to choose. (laughs) This should be obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Please choose life so that you and your children can live. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But he's laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so when the Lord spoke that to me the other day, I thought, wait a minute. This is a pattern in my life. And here's the pattern. No matter where I am, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Nate, I remember this from uh, 2019. Remember when I lost all that weight? Y'all don't remember we went on our sabbatical. I came home 50 pounds lighter. (laughs) Peace that lasted about 45 minutes. I mean, I was off blood pressure medication. I was testifying. The Lord has set me free. I got delivered all of that. It actually lasted until Thanksgiving that year. It's my mom's fault. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. I got triggered. Something was triggered in me on Thanksgiving. And I started eating out of the wrong trough. Uh, Remember when I was fasting for 40 days and making all that bread every day? 
Yeah, I lost all that weight, and then as soon as the fast was over, I was eating bread out of both hands. I had a loaf in each hand. I was just preparing myself for that that entire 40 days, what I'm going to do to this bread when this fast is over. But here's the problem. The problem was even in 2019, the Lord spoke to me on March 7th at 7 o'clock in the morning through the prophet David Sylvie. And he called me and said, you're going to die, says the Lord, if you don't get your health together right now. I had a big bagel full of cream cheese, honey, and butter. I was like, I threw it in the trash. <laughs> I went straight to the doctor. And I said, you take all of my blood and you, te- you give me every kind of test you know how to give me. And I went from the doctor to the gym. And within a three-month period, I'd lost 30 pounds. And by the end of the summer, I'd lost 50 pounds. So in a, about a five-month period, I'd lost 50 pounds. Do you know I still felt fat? My goal weight was 180. I got down to 183. Do you know I still felt like there was something wrong with me? I still felt fat out of shape, like it didn't work. I'm not there yet. And I look back on that and I'm like, what was I complaining about? What was I was there? That was it. I I want to just go back in in time and look at myself in the mirror and say, you there, (laughs) you there, you got it. (laughs) But you know what I was thinking the whole time? My goal was 180, 180, I'm 183. And so my mind, I just, I failed. And I didn't know I was feeling that, but I was feeling that deep inside. I'm like, it's just not, I'm not there. And I'm just, I'm falling short. And I'm, and I let myself get discouraged after losing 50 pounds, 50, 58 pounds to be exact. And I look back, I was like, what is wrong with me? And I remember thinking, I remember when I was in high school, I thought to myself, if I could just make $500 a month, I would be so happy. And then I got to college and I got a job working at a bank. And guess how much I made? $500 a month. And I was broke. It's like $500 ain't nothing. I need to make about $2,000 a month. And then a few years later, I got a part-time job when I was a seminary student. And guess what they paid me? $2,000 a month. And I was broke. I remember thinking $2,000 ain't nothing. I need to make $4,000 a month. And then guess what? I got a job working for a church out of seminary. Guess what they paid me? $4,000 a month. And I was broke. And I just realized I've always been broke. No matter how blessed I am, I'm broke. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that broke is a mindset, not a reality. I'm broke because every morning I wake up and feed on this sense of lack and feed on this sense of loss and feed on what I ain't got and what I don't have instead of stopping and looking back and saying, if I could go back to when I was making $2,000 a month and see what I'm making today, I would be dancing in the spirit, speaking in tongues, going, I'm about to be balling. Because your present self is a baller to your past self. Feeding on his faithfulness 
means stopping to become cognizant of the promises that he has already fulfilled in my life today. But I'm so cognizant of what I want for tomorrow that I can't stop and become acutely aware of what God has done for me on today. Did you ever stop and say, how amazing. You know, we we got this house. Y'all know about the house. It's, it's a big property. And we were so excited to get it. <laughs> Until we woke up, we moved in in December and it was the coldest part of the winter. And two weeks later, we woke up one morning. How come the heat ain't turning on? <laughs> and the stove ain't turning on either. And we ain't got no hot water. And we found out that our propane tank was empty. So I spent two hours on the phone on hold with the propane company. Finally, the guy comes and says, we're sending it right out to you. It'll be there by the end of the day. I called back the next morning. We still ain't got it after waiting on hold two hours. Oh, my goodness. He never even sent it out. I'm so sorry. I'm sending it right now. It'll be there by the end of the day. I called the next morning because it still wasn't there. So we spent two and a half days in this cold house with no hot water and no stove, we, were so, we weren't so happy about the house anymore. And so we thought, I know what we're going to do. We're going to fix this. We're going to somehow figure out how to get off propane. Well, about a month later, it was no problem because the heater died. <laughs> Called a guy to come. First, I tried to fix it myself. I'm on YouTube, how to fix a furnace. And I'm up there in the crawl, <laughs> up in the attic, looking at the thing. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> I can't fix this. <laughs> So the guy comes out, he looks at our furnace, he goes, this furnace was not designed for propane. That's why it died. Because they jerry-rigged this furnace up there. And we're like, oh man, what did we get? We thought we had such an awesome property. Now we ain't got no heat. We ain't got no hot water. And so we had to replace the furnace. We ended up replacing the AC and replacing the hot water heater. Had to put a new uh, a main electric panel, two new sub panels. We ended up spending so much money on this property. To top it off, it gets worse. A week and three days ago, we woke up one morning and there wasn't no water in the house. So I called a guy to come out and inspect our well. And he goes, well, your well is pumping water. You're just using it faster than your well can pump it. Why, what are you talking about? He's like, well, it is a drought. Your well is running a little low. Well, what can I do? Well, you can buy water. So I had to pay to get 3,400 gallons of water delivered to our property in a truck. Cost $450. You know, a nice little condo is starting to sound good right about now. (laughs) With an HOA, where they do the gardening for you. We ain't got no backyard, but who needs a backyard? The heater works. You find yourself thinking, Lord, just take us back to Egypt where we gathered around pots of vegetables every night. Because the blessings of the Lord always come with a particular kind of hardship on the front end of that blessing. And the hardship is designed to try to drive us back to the Egypt of our previous state of poverty. 
What we don't realize is that the hardship is only on the front end of that blessing. That God gives us blessings that will endure with temporary hardships on the front end of them. That if you endure those hardships, you get to enjoy these permanent blessings without the hardship. But these hardships on the front end are typically so powerful that we stop feeding on the faithful. We forget the fact that we're living up on a hill, looking down on everything with beautiful views. The only thing we know is there's no water and there's no heat. And I got to deal with problems that I never had to deal with before. And the Lord was talking, my wife was talking to the Lord last week and she said, Lord, why would you give us a house that requires us to be at least two levels financially beyond where we are in order to live in it? You gave us a house we can't afford to live in. That ain't right. And the Lord said, because I'm trying to take you two levels financially beyond where you are. So what I want you to do is sit out on your balcony and enjoy what I've given you and stop worrying about what I haven't given you. Write this down. Feeding on his faithfulness means that you are always more connected to what God is doing than on what God is not doing. Can I say that again? Feeding on his faithfulness means that you are always more connected to what God is doing than on what God is not doing. We tend to be far more aware of what God has not given us than we are of what he has given us. And if your awareness of what God has not given you is greater than your awareness of what he has given you, you are not feeding on his faithfulness. Your life is oriented around the void. Your life is oriented around the lack. Your life is oriented around the loss. And when your life orients itself around loss and lack and void... The result is bitterness, unbelief, unthankfulness. You become not only bitter, but you become cranky. (laughs) You take it out on the people around you. And you think you're mad at this person or that person. And actually, at the end of the day, you're mad at God. But you take it out on everybody else because you can't hurt him. But when you are more aware of what he has given you than what he hasn't given you, when feeding on his faithfulness becomes a daily habit, the way you orient your life, where you wake up in the morning and you immediately start feeding on his faithfulness, you immediately call to mind what he has done. You immediately bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And you start listing the benefits and you start listing the blessings and you start counting your blessings and naming them one by one. When that orients your life and you're feeding on his faithfulness, you're going to trust in the Lord. You're going to do good. You're going to dwell in the land and you're going to feed on his faithfulness. Because being acutely aware of what he has done creates a very natural confidence in what he's going to do. See, this is the thing. If you're focused on what he hasn't done for you yet, you can't walk in faith. You don't believe in what he's already done for you. How are you going to believe in what he's going to do? 
You're not thankful for what he's already done. How are you going to be thankful? And we're constantly telling God, well, if you would do the following five things, then I'd be thankful. You ain't thankful for what I've done. Why would I believe you're going to be thankful for what I'm going to (laughs) do? It's like your child who asked for more food when they still got food on their plate. You haven't eaten what's on your plate. Why would I believe you're going to eat what's another helping? Eat what's on your plate first. Feed on his faithfulness. Now, there's plenty of faithfulness to feed on. If you can't see it, the God of this world has blinded your eyes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't see it, you're like a sheep that's gone astray. Yeah. But guess what? Today is the day for us to return to the Amen. shepherd and overseer of our souls. Amen. Every day, yeah. we have the opportunity to return to the shepherd yeah. and the overseer of our souls. Yeah. And if I focus my energy on identifying what God has done, Every day, acknowledging, Lord, this is what you've done. Out of that comes a natural confidence. Oh, well, he who began a good work in me, he's going to be faithful to complete it. Oh, if he brought, if he gave me the house, he's going to bless me to afford it. Come on, somebody. He's not going to give me the house and not bless me to afford it. And I I asked the Lord, give me a house that I can have vision for, for, for the years to come. Well, I got years of vision for this house. Lord, you're going to have to give me years of provision for this vision. Because that's what provision is. It's for vision. We think the word pro, it means for. We're asking God for provision, but we ain't got no vision. Amen. Amen. All right. I told you I wasn't going to keep you long.